1: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Rilston and we're recording on a sunny Friday Friday afternoon, should I say, ahead of a historic FA Cup final, the first Manchester derby ever in the FA Cup final. And I'm joined by Samuel Lockhurst, who's going to look ahead to the game and and dissect the week's news, a bit of transfer news going on um, across the next 45 minutes or so. But before we get stuck into that, I've got to ask Samuel, how was the press game? On uh, was it was Tuesday, wasn't it, Simon? On Tuesday morning.
0: It, it was it was we scored four times as many goals as last season but unfortunately we also conceded more goals than last season uh, we, we we came off not quite no not, not not quite knowing what the final score was and then it was um, confirmed later on that it ended up nine four and and in fairness we, we should have scored more goals we had some good opportunities there was a we, we did use a couple of cheat codes uh, Danny Weber scored both our goals in the in the first half but then he had to um he had, to, he had to go off so he could only play a half for us but in the second half uh, co- coincidentally we actually without without our goal scorer we actually drew the second half that was that was 2-2 two, two. so that's the uh, the pride we can we can take away from it but it's it's always well you would have won if have I was playing of course of you, course, if, I'll, yeah, I'll
1: be there next year. If Bruce Springsteen's—I doubt he's going to be playing again so <laughs> soon, anyways. And the day it's going to fall on that game, I was obviously very disappointed to miss out. Yeah, but, uh,
0: understandably. So it is—it's—it's it's, you know we—it's—it's we, a—it's a great day out, Wh- whatever your age, whether you're a United fan or a football follower. It's—it's um, it's just a, a brilliant stadium to to play at. It's—it's it's something to, um, to to cherish for for a very very long time. So and, and I've had the fortune of the very good fortune of being able to have done it three times so hopefully there are many more to come the only
1: problem with with those games is that the pitch is absolutely immaculate so when you take a heavy touch there's no excuse really, is there you can't look down no. and, and say there's a divot there or there's a dodgy bit of after turf because it looked fantastic the photos and um, that you guys have sent of you you were playing and a few souvenirs as well a few shirts of course um from the game itself anyways we'll go in straight into the FA Cup final Samuel as I've said the first Manchester derby Um, in the FA Cup Final tomorrow afternoon. A fantastic occasion, it's going to be some game. Um, Third trip to Wembley this season for United fans, which if you told them that at the start of the season, I'm sure they would have slapped your hands off. And I did note today, if you cast your mind back to the semi-finals when United played Brighton and City played Sheffield United, I think there was a lot of empty seats for the City game, but there wasn't the United game, so that's something to uh, keep an eye on. I'm sure it'll be a sellout tomorrow afternoon. Um, what are your expectations for the game, Samuel? We, we talked earlier in the week about about the match and how this City team have you know they've peaked in the spring, they've really progressed and Guardiola has settled on this team now where he's put Ruben Diaz back into the side and they look phenomenal. They've obviously reached the Champions League, they're in hunt for a treble. So Can United Lift the FA Cup, and if so, how are they going to do it?
0: Well, they they can. They've they've already beaten City this season. Those those two derbies. I think they were 104 days apart, and they were extremely different for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, the the six three game. It was a very naive approach from from United, and Ten Hag did touch upon that. In the embargoed section of, of of the press conference, he did his press conference on Thursday. United have obviously, uh, unless people have haven't seen it, they've already travelled down to London, and he he did touch upon what was different about United. And the obvious thing to say is that well Casemiro started that that was a big um, that was that was a pretty significant difference in in winning that game. Looking ahead to this game on on, on Saturday, where where the stakes are so high and where United really do need to make a tactical tweak because they're coming up against the best club club side in world football I don't, I don't think anybody would, would dispute that but we we touched upon this already that there, there is a danger that they've already shown their hand in terms of how they prepare for it but they are limited in what as to what they can do we, we were discussing before we came on to do this and the possible bench that United could have tomorrow and Unfortunately, for United, it is it's pretty desperate, and and it's so desperate to the point that I think if they are to win the cup final, I think it's got to come within ninety minutes. Extra Samuel, have you got that recently. bench? Sorry,
1: have you got that bench handy? Because yeah. it's probably worth reading out the message will, that you sent. I'll read. Me, I'll read. It. Uh, thi- this worth is it. Um,
0: going off the top of my head now. Um, I think it was Butland, Malacia, Maguire, Dallo, McTominay, Garnacho, Veghorst. Uh, Palestri, Elanga. Now, that's a bench where, uh, the, I mean, possibly the majority of those players might not be at United next season, or there's certainly a question mark against the majority of them. Dalo and Garnaccio have signed new contracts. Malassia's not going to go anywhere. Butland will probably be let go because he's only on loan. Same with Veghorst. Elanga, United happy to sell him. Palestri likely to be loaned. McTominay, you're not quite sure there. Probably stay, given the interest in Fred early on. And Maguire, that's, yeah, that could go one of two ways. So that is not a great position to be in when, had everyone been fit, they could have had, certainly as far as the attack is concerned, they, they might have struggled to get all of the the game changers on the bench. They might have been in a situation where Jaden Sancho might have had to have been left out. But Sancho's going to be starting now. So they're they're without Sabitza, they're without Martial, they're without Antony, and United would have a better squad if those with those three available. No, nobody can can argue with that. Whatever their status, where whatever people um, may may think of of Martial as as a starter, I I never thought he should have been starting the Cup final. But the way Ten Hag was talking about him and the way he was using him, it seemed to indicate that he was going to start him. I don't necessarily think that's a blow. The blow is that United have not got a lot to turn to on the bench. The game changer is is only Garnacho. Pelestri has got the capabilities, and he was quite he was pretty bright when he came on. I think it was it against Fulham last week? He had a, he had a little cameo, and he does seem to do things when he comes on. But Ten Hag just doesn't doesn't really fancy him. If he did, he'd have played him a hell of a lot more this season. And then you look at City's quality and depth, and it's probably the best on the planet. And with extra times, we saw again in the Europa League in midweek a lot of extra times. Now they just yeah you know, the people are just waiting for penalties to to come along. And That was almost the case with, with Sheffield Wednesday against against Barnsley on Monday. It was a goal in the what was it the 123rd minute. I yeah, think that, cruel, that avoided yeah. cruel, avoided yeah. penalties. Oh. It was extremely cruel on Barnsley as well, who who did brilliantly with ten men. But extra times, the World Cup final seems to be the exception to the norm. Extra time at the moment, it's getting to the point where, where the conversation has to be had. Do do we just get rid of it and get on with penalties, and especially with the schedule, with players? And City are probably one of the few teams that come extra time. They can they can move through the gears because the quality they've got is is extraordinary. That they, they are going to have a hell of a bench against united tomorrow unless they've got really you know significant injuries to contend with and even if there are two or three who who can't make it their quality in depth is still going to easily trump uniteds and you look at the team that united ended the semi-final with and the penalty takers and there's always a risk with that because you're taking good players off who you would otherwise uh, entrust with taking a penalty and you look at the scorers of those penalties as well and they they converted all of them but you you would not be as certain of United getting that far against City with the bench they have in these circumstances so I you know, I think if they're to win it it's it's going it's got to be within 90 minutes they're going to need to be some Herculean efforts they've got to be quite varied with their tactics I, everyone expects Fernandes to start on the wing if he doesn't what's the alternative they've, they've got to have something up their sleeve that is going to throw City now Fernandes has started on the wing when I think it's seven or eight times this season it's always been on the right if he pops up there on the left and you've got Carl Walker starting with the intention of uh, pitting him against Jayden Sancho that might throw City because all of a sudden Walker is unoccupied and City might have to have a conference as to what he's going to do and how does that affect the rest of the back four you've got to try and keep City guessing which is why although I think everyone, I mean, we've done our teams for the panel and it's our personal eleven. It's also probably the predicted eleven as well. Although that team is what United should go with on paper, you would encourage them to be moving the shapes around. You'd be telling Sancho, go over to the right every now and then um, because City, City don't have a left back, not an out-and-out left back. Try and make the most of that. You've been playing well on the right side in recent games. Get out there, show everyone what you can do against your former club as well. I mean, that's something that's not been talked about whatsoever because it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty small subplot. But it could be, it could be the the, the, the big talking point of, of the final. You never know. And and Rashford as well. We all know that he's at his optimum off the left. So although he's probably going to start up front pull on to the left, have a go at Walker every now and then, see who else can go through the middle. Uh, just try and change it up, try and be as varied as possible. Because as as phenomenal as a team City are, United have got a decent defensive record and they have got to also show the faith and the trust in their defenders that they can do the job when need be. And if, if you're to win an FA Cup final, it, unless it goes to penalties, you you need to score. So that the forwards have got to be arguably more on it than the defenders, even though they're coming up against Haaland and De Bruyne, etc.
1: Feels like every player in that red shirt tomorrow is going to have to be at 100% in, in giving their best performance. And hope that City doing the or make little mistakes across the pitch and then maybe a result can be found from there. I guess if you're a glass half full kind of guy, which I certainly am, Samuel, you'd say over the years United have had a tendency to shock City in the games. I mean, look at the South Sky era. He had won the best win percentages against Guardiola, didn't he? Um, and then you look at that game in January and that was the same kind of absorbing pressure, but City didn't really do much with it and it was great football for United on the counter-attack and really deadly and ruthless. But as you've just said, Fernandez was on the right wing in that game and I think a lot of that is being talked about in the, in the build-up from us guys and I think from supporters as well because it's going to be a key point, I feel. Do you think it's going to be inevitable then that he will start on the right? I was just looking back at the court from Ten Hag after that game in January and he said he created hesitation and confusion uh, for the opponent which is what they need to do again well exactly yeah and he he liked how he's creating a numerical advantage obviously coming into midfield when they're not in possession so it really feels like that's going to be the key change doesn't it or the key tweak uh, tomorrow afternoon
0: yeah and you have to play the percentages in in games like this take you look at Ericsson as an example in a game that's going to be this intense it would be be a surprise if he lasted beyond the 70 minute mark. So when does he come off? Who's going to go on for him? Depending on the scoreline, I'm sure Ten Hag will... Have, have a decision planned out uh, made there that if United are in need of a goal Ericsson comes off Garnaccio goes on Fernandez goes back uh, as, as the 10 and then maybe Sancho's on the right if United uh, happens to be uh, leading at that point then logically McTominay goes on to uh, offer an, an extra shield uh, for the defence as, as United try and try and hang on you've got to prepare for all possibilities I remember uh, Mourinho saying uh, years ago when Chelsea were uh, I think after they'd beaten PSG 2-0 in, in the second leg of Champions League tie and they trailed 3-1 going into it, they prepared for a scenario where it was the last 10 or 15 minutes of a game and they needed a goal to be ahead on, on on the away goals rule and they did get that goal as well, they they won the game 2-0 with, with quite a late goal so the preparation for such huge games you've you've got to try and cover all bases and it's it's fascinating being reminded of that quote from ten hag about fernandes because fernandes has very when when he's played there it's been a for it's not always been for rotational purposes he played there twice against aston villa um both both games with with when when Unai Emery was in charge, so it wasn't like it was just because it was Aston Villa. It was clearly because of something that Emery had brought to the table, and you wouldn't have really envisaged Ten Hag doing that if if Steven Gerrard was was the manager of Villa. Villa were a completely different entity to, uh, un, under Emery to to when Gerrard was uh, was in charge. So that that that's clearly a, a, a strategy that I think is going to happen. And as I said earlier, there is a danger that United have shown their hand, and that's why they've got to vary it. If Fernandez drifts out to the left, no, you know, I don't think anybody should um, grumble about that uh, if, if, if you're a United supporter. Because as I said, Sancho has been playing quite well on the right recently, so you want him to have stints out on the right. You don't want him just fixed to his position the whole time. That's why one of the reasons why City are a great side—they're so fluid and. They can interchange and they've can. they got such intelligent players, they pop up in in different areas. And it's getting to the point now where although we have team sheets and we put players in positions, once the paper has been submitted, you might as well put it through the shredder because it doesn't really matter a great deal. And especially the way City play, where they play with four defenders, but they play with with a back three and John Stones (sighs) is a midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's it's 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 pretty fascinating just even talking about it and we've we're talking the day before the 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 game so uh yeah it's 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 difficult to see it playing out and being extremely dull i think that there's going to be a hell of a lot of it that's that's going to be um interesting and, and talked about for a good good while to come
1: I love seeing the uh, the graphics after games when it shows you the average positions because it just really shows you and emphasises that point you were just making about how formations these days, you obviously have to have not at the start yeah. of the game. And, but it, it's crazy some of the some of the positions these players take up. And as, as Stones, we've not even mentioned him at the start there and we we're kind of giving the players a mention what a season he's had and he's moved into midfield and the coaching from Guardiola is, is being incredible. If we stick with that midfield battle though, Samuel, I think I mean I've not checked the panels actually. I know you've put yours in, and uh, our colleague Liam has as well. I had Fred in the midfield, and I kind of feel that he's going to start, like it's a certainty. But would it would it be a shock to to see McTominay coming in that midfield with McTominay, Casemiro, and Eriksen? Would that generally surprise you? Because I could kind of uh-huh. see it. You know, I could actually see it happening. Obviously, McTominay kept Casemiro out of the team at the start start of the campaign. He, he played the Etihad, didn't he? Um, and he was eventually Until they came but, up against City. Well, exactly. Yeah, period. exactly. That's my point. But I don't think it would be completely shockers if, if he if he was to start tomorrow.
0: I think if he starts tomorrow, it'll be his first start in 46 days, and it's, it's 46 or 56, something like that. And immediately, you for for, for unite fans, they'll be thinking of some Park being brought back in from the cold to to line up against City and the. In the april 2012 derby and what an infamous tactical choice that was by ferguson it was park's last last game it didn't work united played for a draw they lost and that was that was as as decisive as deciding the uh, uh, that was as decisive for the title that season as, as sergio aguero's winning goal against qpr i'd argue and as I just touched upon, McTominay started at the Etihad and United were quite naive there. Everybody knew that was going to be the United team going into that game, which sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. And when you come up against City, if you're that obviously, if your line, if your lineup is that obvious, I think you've got a problem. And McTominay and Eriksen is, sorry, was too pedestrian in midfield to cope with City that day. Um, Fred, look he may be brilliant he may be abysmal that that is sometimes there's very little in between he either i mean last week he was dreadful but he somehow um contributed to to both goals and and the, the assist for fernandez's goal was was a terrific pass i i just feel as though fred's energy and his um his his pressing as well that, that gives him a clear advantage ahead of McTomney. If McTomney was starting this final, and look, he, he may start it, but I, I don't think he will, I, I'd have thought he'd have got a start against uh, Fulham last week. That would have been the, the time to put him in. There were a couple of hints, I thought, with with the team against Fulham last week regarding what the Cup Final eleven would be. And everybody expected Fred to come in. And logically, a lot of United fans would have said, look, Champions League qualification is sorted. Take Casemiro out of the team, but I always thought that Ten Hag wouldn't do that because he has not played Fred and McTominay together since the Brighton game in the opening weekend of the season. It is always one or the other. Yeah, exactly. It's been very sensible strategy, and Fred also has he's he's started more games than McTominay this season. And he started both games against Barcelona. He started against City in January, which you can't underestimate, even though City have evolved as a team since then, tactically. And he starts in the League Cup final uh, next to Casemiro. So it it wouldn't quite be a, a shock of Jim Layton being dropped for Les Sealy proportions for the 1990 uh, final replay. But McTominay coming into the team, I, I would strongly advise against that. I think he could have a good impact coming on in the game as he did in the League Cup final. But this is not a game for, to be starting him. And it's also not a game to be starting Ericsson that deep either, I'd argue. I think United do need, they do need him because he's he's creative and he's tidy with the ball. He's, he's very careful. He's He's got um, good versatility as well. He's another one who could move to the right if need be in game. But he he could also easily be overwhelmed um given that the obvious uh, physical uh, f- physical i mean weaknesses is possibly a bit too harsh but th- this is a man who you know who, who effectively died on the pitch uh, two years ago it's, it's remarkable he's, he's 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 still operating at this high level and that's why i think everybody knows that if or when ericsson starts that He'll do well to last 70 minutes, especially against this city. Yeah,
1: he he faded, he definitely faded in the uh, semi final against Brighton, did he, Uh, in April? Hmm. He definitely faded for that game, and it was inevitable he was going to get brought off, I thought. We'll leave it there for part one, anyways. We're back in a moment for part two. So, obviously, we're just talking about Fred there, Samuel, and uh, that we both picked them for our teams, obviously, at the start. And I've, I kind of looked at it here, my, my five things for the morning, five things to look out. And one of the sections on that, one of the headings, was some potential farewells tomorrow at Wembley. And we we'll discussed that early in the week, actually, because there was obviously some nice, lovely scenes at the end of the game at Old Trafford when the players had the families on the pitch, etc. Um, but that could be the final appearance at Old Trafford for some, and tomorrow could be the final appearance for the club for some. Um, if you look at those players, who do you think has potential then to maybe make the, the last game for the club? I mean, Fred, for me, off the top of my head, obviously Fulham are interested, Harry Maguire... Where Kost is leaving, isn't he? Uh, Jack Butland, his his loan's expiring. So, um, Marcel Sabitzer, he's going to be in the stands as well, watching. What does your kind of instinct tell you with that? Do you think United are going to maybe make a permanent offer? How do you think? Uh, how do you think that is going to develop?
0: There was a Dutch journalist at Carrington on Thursday from NOS, and his last question was, "Will this be Valverde Cost's last game?" And Ten Hag didn't really want to get into it. But he could have just asked either of us, any of us there, and we'd have told him yes. I mean, yeah, waste of a question. The, guy, though, wasn't the it? guys, it was a waste of a question. He's he scored two goals in in thirty games. I don't think even Burnley will want to keep him uh, f- for next season. He doesn't even fit into Burnley's plans. So how the hell he's meant to fit into United's plans is is beyond me. There's no there's no guarantee necessarily that he'll he'll even come on. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily advise on, on throwing Weghorst on unless United were absolutely desperate. And even still, you'd think, well, th- there's possibly a more strategic route to possibly getting a goal. Um, OK, Weghorst has, did did tremendously in the quarterfinal of the World Cup against Argentina, but that, that was a one-off. And unfortunately for United, it feels like they pretty much signed him on loan on, on the back of that. And... Simon Peach said to me yesterday, he said he saw that score as many goals in ten minutes in that game in Qatar as he's seen him score in uh, four five months at, at United. And uh, as as you said, uh, with with Fred, sometimes that happens. You you maximise a player and until the very last game, and then you know they they come to a natural end at the club, and that that could well be the case with with, with Fred. And I I think it's you know, it speaks volumes of his uh, of his character and how important he can be for United. That he should be starting the FA Cup final, and that he should also be sold in the summer if there's a taker like Fulham lined up for him. And that's that's something that has been mooted. Maguire, again, does he? With some of these players, do they get on the pitch? I mean, some of the club media this week they've they've had Maguire quite. You know, he's, he's been front and centre. He's been quite prominent. And last week there was one that said, you know, Harry Maguire reviews the season. And sometimes you think, Cracky, you know, you're setting the you're setting the player up for a fall there." Um, just don't tweet that out, whatever you do. And nobody is wondering. Nobody's even talking about Harry Maguire not starting the FA Cup final, even though he's the United captain and the the most expensive defender in, in the world still, four years on, because this season has been his worst at the club and. He's he also has naturally come to the end, he's just got to accept that. Um, you know, th- th- he's he's given it a good go, he's been professional, but he's he's not good enough. Uh, he's not good enough to be a, a starter in, in, in a Manchester United team that is more successful now and is playing under this manager. Um, I mean, even Wan-Bissaka, who again, I, th- I think logically he should start, Dallo signed a new contract. United are, or Ten Hag is interested in, in Jeremy Frimpong, if he's absolutely adamant on getting a f- right-back in the summer, there's only one player who has to be sold now because you're not going to have three right-backs in that squad next season and one of them is Wan-Bissaka and, and, and dallow and Frimpong. That's, not going, that's just not going to happen. You can't get away with just saying, well, we got rid of Brandon Williams. And again, if, if United get a £30 million offer for Wan-Bissaka, they have to take that. If, if, if that's coming their way, and I, th- I think there's there might be reasonable interest in him as well because his his form and his reputation, it has recovered in the last four or five months. But as Ten Hag says, you know, he, he says good is never good enough. You look at Wan-Bissaka and Dalo as right backs. OK, they're good, but are they both good enough? A lot of United supporters would say no. And Wan-Bissaka has a ceiling. He is not going to ever, ever reach... Uh, the the level of of Rhys James never mind Trent Alexander Arnold as a right back that that is beyond him so it, it's feasible that could be the case but it's also feasible that United uh, you know, that regarding a right back they just kick that can down the road and and maybe look at it next year and 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 keep you know stick with Wan Bissaka and Diallo um, and as we touched upon earlier with the bench. I think the majority of them probably won't be at United next season, uh, and and that's that's the way it should be as well. It's that that that's the that's possibly the biggest problem for them going into this FA Cup final. The the state of the bench. It, it's I think it, there's unfortunately for United it might look desperate. The only thing I would say is that when the United players were ferried to the airport on Thursday, they were transported there in in blacked out vans. And they've only shown what six images, I think, of, of players bored in the plane. It really wouldn't surprise me, given that they've gone to those lengths, if Ten Hag is being deliberately pessimistic about Anthony or deliberately pessimistic about you know someone else so that he can spring a bit of a surprise come cup final day. So, you know, it's, it's such an important game and such a, a huge occasion that Sometimes that that element of kidology is is advisable uh, because United they've they been taking he's been City. taking tips
1: off Sir Alex Ferguson. I've said this on the podcast a few times. When they went for a meal, it wasn't just they weren't just talking about what food they were eating. He was going, Ferguson, <laughs> give us some tips because uh, he's done that. Was it was it recently when uh I can't remember who it was. You might be there was there was one occasion earlier in the season. It was season. a recent it was, example.
0: Yeah, it was shortly after they'd they'd. Uh, dined in Wilmslow as well, I think. Uh, yeah, because I, I mentioned that I can't in an article. Quite remember what it was about. Yeah.
1: Uh, just sticking with the right backs, anyways. Before we get into that team use quickly, I, uh, I sorry. Completely... It was the
0: new. Was it the Newcastle? It might have been saying that Newcastle were annoying. It might have been that head of the uh, League Cup final.
1: Uh, not a bad shout. Not a bad shout. Yeah. And obviously Wan I'm Getting on to Wan Bissaka, but he missed that game, wasn't he? he was uh, he was ill and Dallas started. But my piece today was on. I was quite bullish about. Juan second starting when we did the podcast earlier in the week and obviously that's not changed now I expect them to start but I mean fair play to him I've said a few times to come out from the complete cold in August and to be told he was going to leave the club or he was free to leave the club To so then come back eight months later nine months later and to force himself back into the team I've been very impressed with his character to do that because to be at such a low and then to fight back and, and kind of replace Dallo um, I've been impressed by that but as, as was said after I think it was the Severe podcast long term for all wan has improved he's probably not going to be that right back to take you to a, a Premier League title for example if, if that's what Tenog wants to do and he has serious ambitions for that anyways um, but yes team news Samuel obviously you, you touched on Anthony there he sustained an injury against Chelsea quite a nasty nasty looking injury unfortunately and then Tenor came out uh, before Fulham and Give a and positive update, didn't he? But at the day of his press conference, he was a bit more downbeat. And he said, look, it's a, a slim chance of him playing that game, slim chance of him being available. And in Martial as well, he's also been ruled out. He was ruled out before today's press conference. But I wanted to ask you about Martial specifically, Samuel. Uh, 27 years old, nine goals this season. Do you know how many starts he's made this season? 16? Do you know what? That's that's quite impressive as well. 17. But, I mean, if you actually look at the minutes, though, I mean, he's made 17 starts, but that's even worse by the minutes he's played because he can never play 90 minutes, can he? He can never Mm. play a complete game. Um, Is it a blow that he's out tomorrow? That's the question I want to ask because I'm not Not, sure it is.
0: Not as far as the starting level is concerned. I I really wouldn't have been starting Martial. It, It would have been better to have had him available, but. I don't think Ten Hag was ever going to have him as a substitute. I think if he was fit, he'd have started him. Yeah, I think so. And I'd have always argued that it would have been better to keep him in reserve because he has come off the bench and uh, had had good contributions this season, and certainly at the start of the season when he was having those sporadic runouts, he he almost seems to do everything, so do something in 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 every every appearance. But in the grand scheme of things, he's he's not a great loss you can't you can't hang your hat on him at all uh, his even his recent goals they've they've been tap-ins he he's he's been he's one of those classic strikers that he seems to have this tendency that when he scores in games you're still when it comes down to marking him you're still giving him 6 out of 10 because the goal has been you know pretty routine or it's been a deflection and beyond that he's not contributed a great deal And United have, he's long outstayed his welcome at United, but the trouble they have got now uh, going off the club statement on Monday is that they refer to it as a muscular tear, which would suggest that is going to be a long period of recovery for a footballer. In the case of Marshall, the period of recovery could be about a year. You never know with him, given how long his layoffs are. I mean, he was earlier in the season. He was fit for four weeks, wasn't he? And he wasn't being played because it was, yeah. You know, I, mean, I mean, reassembling him—it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost as delicate as assembling uh, a nuclear weapon. Uh, if you know, if someone touches something, it will all go off. It will all crumble. It's—it's it, made of it's papier mâché, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's made of papier mâché, and the trouble they have got now is that he is probably, possibly unsellable in the summer and I really wouldn't be surprised if this time next year he's he's still a united player he certainly won't be a united starter next season because they're going to be signing a striker and that striker is going to be taking his place really uh, but really it's not it's not his place because he's he's been he's been too unavailable this season and even yesterday when I think it was the the second port of call after after anthony it was asked about um, Ten Hag was asked about Martial, and um, I think I think he said, i just get the quote out now. He said, These questions, so many times from the media about absence of players in the last couple of months, and every time I say the same answer, it is about the players who are available, and many times we were successful that was just someone who had absolutely no interest in speaking about Marshall. About some that was from someone who is pretty much at the end of end of their tether with, with the Do you player. not find that he's interesting
1: even, though, Samuel, because when he's when he's spoken this season, I've I've generally believed that he's being sincere when he says that the team are better when Marshall plays. I guess his yeah, point is yeah. when Marshall is fit and available, but the problem is he's never he's never fit and available, really is He's never fit fully anyways.
0: No, no, and and Ten Hag does genuinely believe that Marshall has literally all of the attributes to be a world-class striker in terms of the talent, the physicality, the experience, uh, the, 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 the flexibility as well as a modern centre-forward. He thinks he's got the lot, and yet he hasn't. He's, he's got 17 United goals in the last three seasons, which is It's, it derives, it's, it's a me- meagre amount. And you cannot carry passengers if you're going to be successful. You look at City's squad, and that's that's what United have to aim for. It's a pretty lean squad, and everybody contributes. Nobody, uh, when someone comes out of the team, and someone comes in the team, the way the team plays doesn't change. And I think the biggest difference, if you want to look for a big difference between United and City that isn't you know, the, the, the trophies or the difference in points at the end of the season... Is look at the number nines. City have Harland and Julian Alvarez. United have Martial and Weghorst. That is how big the gap is between those teams, and that, that's reflected in the the goals for column in the Premier League table.
1: Alvarez was an absolute snip as well, wasn't he, when they signed the yeah. I can't remember. South from South Absolutely. America. I mean, yeah. Well, Martial, I mean, when you go, he came from. that's a good. There you go. Good shout as well. Uh, with Martial, I mean, if you leave a club on loan at his age. Your time's over if you're leaving a club and you're late. Twice he's out of contract low, next year as well. Well, that's the thing, he's out of contract. This year. But I mean, I've said time and time on this podcast, I just can't see him being sold to anyone permanently. I can't see a football club, a serious football club, making a permanent bid to take I him when he can't play in that minutes. Yeah, and then I a good point when you made, um, I mean, was it a few weeks ago? I think it was in January when we broke up at the point where we said, Look, he's, he's been training for four weeks and he's still not available but he was in full training for four weeks so how can a professional footballer be in full training for four weeks and still not be match fit i mean that just raises and when a he did come back
0: when he did come back into the team it was as a it was as a substitute yeah. uh was still starting ahead of him so the the easing in process i've never i've never known an easing in process of a footballer i think darren anston knew Some will remember he was infamously known as a note in the 90s at Tottenham. He probably hit the ground running coming back from injury uh, more than than Marshall did. It's just it's it's at the point now where the best case scenario in the summer is that there might be a club desperate in the window late on who would take Marshall for a loan fee and cover his wages for the season. Um, Because, as I said, where they've said it's a muscular tear. That would indicate it's quite a long recovery time. And look, did you it, see the, the uh, did you
1: see the footage circulating or the screenshot? I mean, supporters were suggesting that he sustained the injury jokingly in Tenog's speech because he was uh, holding his hamstring while Tenog was speaking on the pitch after the fallen victory. But you know what? I probably wouldn't surprise us uh, considering his no, injury record. No. Do you know what? A bit me, bending Bruce...
0: down to pick up his son or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't. He's he's just so brittle, unfortunately, and yeah.
1: Bruce Springsteen is seventy-three years old, right? He did a three-hour <laughs> set on Tuesday night. A three-hour set, and he was jumping around. He was buoyant, It was excellent. Could you imagine what Marshall's going to be like at seventy-three? He
0: needs. He needs to. He needs to um, call the boss and ask who his nutritionist is, or his. He uh, certainly does. His, I his think we all do. Trainer. To be fair, if I'm moving like that at yeah. seventy-three, I'll be yeah.
1: delighted. It's amazing. Uh, well, that'll do for part two. We're we'll back in a moment for part three. So, Samuel, a bit of transfer chat then to end the podcast. We've had uh, plenty of FA Cup final chat ahead of that game tomorrow. And we'll start with the line on Mason Mount, really coming out this week. Obviously, United are interested in taking him from Chelsea. They've got an absolute ton of players, too many players. Um, for their dressing room, that was an overspill, uh, famously under Graham Potter, so they do need to offload some players. Uh, United have agreed personal teams with Mercy and Mount, but obviously I guess the sticking point is agreeing that transfer fee of Chelsea, isn't it, because there is a, a difference in opinion at the moment on that fee.
0: I remembered six years ago, I think it, it wasn't even June yet, and I mean we're already in june and next month pre-season starts that's 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 how quickly time goes by but it was we, we were still in may and i did the story that united agreed personal terms with uh, Nemanja matic i might not have write, written it as agreed personal terms i think i might have kind of like deliberately softened it a little bit because i wasn't I didn't want to get get too far ahead of myself but that's what i was told that was in that was in late may that Transfer was not completed until August the first, I think. So that's that's why you know the word close. You say a player's close to joining a club. I'm always extremely reluctant. I'd always be reluctant to use that phrase because what's what's close with with, with transfers these days. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this time next month Mount is still a Chelsea player. Um, but then again, Chelsea are under pressure to sell players by by late June to get because of the um, the financial quarter they they need to get funds in this month rather than um, wait a little bit into July and see what happens w- with with mount he's it's, it seems like he's um, you know he's kind of like not torched his relationship with Chelsea as such but he, he wants out and if a player wants out and they've got one year left in their contract and there's no chance of of you know changing his mind you you have to sell that player and if you're Chelsea no champions league revenue next season you're under pressure to to balance the books after spending a stupid amount across two transfer windows and, and not selling enough players then although he might be the homegrown hero he he's he's a homegrown hero who wants to leave home so it's it's probably in Chelsea's best interest that they do get mount um out out of the club before before the end of the month and that's why it could be a quick deal but we've seen before as i said that sometimes when when clubs are haggling that that's always a sticking point that's what delays it but the way it's going at the moment it would probably be a surprise if you know if, if mason mount isn't a united player next season i mean i was told on thursday sorry wednesday wednesday evening um before 8pm the personal terms had been agreed and you know at, at the time that that's journalistically, it's never an ideal time to put a story out but with in the transfer season you know that the time is immaterial if, if if you if you're given that information and it's it's credible and it's well sourced which which it was then you might as well put it out as as soon as possible
1: I always feel like with a a club the size of Manchester United with the the spending power, personal terms isn't usually the hard part, Is that's the thing, it's usually agreeing an actual fee with the club and and coming to some kind of middle ground. Are you personally surprised, Samuel, at at their interest in Mount anyways? Because they had this policy a couple of summers ago with obviously with goal and they were splashing the cash on these kind of British players, this kind of the English policy, obviously Dan James was Welsh, wasn't he? But they had Wan-Bissaka coming through the door and Harry Maguire and let's just say didn't really work out, did it, for the money they spent. I mean, it's going to take a hefty fee to, to prize Mount Owey, isn't it? We're probably talking north of fifty million. Is he worth that money? Because at his best, I'd, I probably would lean and say what he would be. Um, I thought he's fantastic for for Chelsea and for England as well. Gareth Southgate relied on him so much in that in the Euros uh, in the summer of twenty twenty one. But he has had a difficult season this year. But he's certainly not the only one, is he at Stamford Bridge that that mm-hmm. applies to?
0: He's not necessarily someone that I'd have identified as a a prime pick, and also United need uh, I mean, and Ten Hag will have a plan for him, but they they do need a midfielder, a central midfielder. Mount can play there, but when you you talk about his position, you ex- you think of someone who plays higher up the pitch, which is is where Fernandez plays, and I I take Fernandez over Mount every day, but you look at Mount's career. Every manager that he's played under has loved working, uh, working with him, and you'd have imagined Pochettino uh, would have loved, would love working with him at Chelsea as well. He's a player who is extremely aligned with you know, Pochettino's type of players. saw the job that that he did with young English players at Tottenham: Eric Dyer, Deli Alley, Harry Kane. They all improved, or they played their best football under Pochettino. And I suspect Chelsea would have hoped that that would have been enough to convince. Mount or one of the reasons to convince Mount to to commit, but the the, the problem that they've they've encountered is that they've given Rhys James, a I think Rhys James might even be the one of the highest paid players at the club or one of the best played, or certainly one of the best paid players at the club. And Mount wasn't offered parity with him. Uh, and Rhys James is a right back. Mason Mount is an attacking midfielder. He's well within his rights to wonder why he's not being offered. Um, a, a, a similar wedge there but you'd imagine with, with United and you see it with, with Fred as well where where he, he'll play with Casemiro Casemiro will hold the fort and Fred is able to wander upfield uh, supplement the attack uh, get higher up and, and get into goal scoring positions and he's got a few goals as well this season you'd imagine that would be what they want uh, that that Ten Hag wants to do with with Mount, if he's coming into that team, it's taking Ericsson out of it, using Ericsson as more of a rotational player next season, which would be sensible given his age, given how often he's he's substituting games. I think he's been substituting some like twenty two or twenty three second halves this season, but United have still maximized his talent. He's had a really good season, Eriksson, but it would be it would be a risk to go into next season with Casimir and Ericsson, two 31-year-olds who turn 32 in February next year. Uh, as, as your prime midfielders, they, they do need someone more energetic there. And, and Mount is, uh, ta- tactically, is a very in- intelligent operator. And as I said, he's, he's worked under a diverse um, collection of coaches. And whether it's Englishman Frank Lampard, German Thomas Tuchel... Um, Englishman Frank Lampard again in his second <laughs> spell at Chelsea. Uh, they Gareth Southgate uh, with England national team. They all really rate him. I didn't think he was particularly impressive during the Euros, but Southgate kept on playing. I him, think he right? does and the he brought stuff. him back into the team. Yeah, he does the stuff as well because he missed guns. a couple of games, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he does a lot of stuff that, that goes
1: unnoticed, doesn't he? I think. Around,
0: uh, yeah, uh, his defensive I think work that'll be the, it, it's, it's. He clearly has assets that qualified football managers coaches see that fans don't see and he's done pretty well out of it so I think Ten Hag's hit rate that that give it from United if you're a United fan you've got to have faith in that because by and large the signings have been you know pretty good very successful the the permanent signings anyway you know take, take the loans out of the equation there um and also going back to when we spoke to Ten Hag in Melbourne at Ami Park uh, in, in July, I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask him and managed to was, you know, is, is there a, why are you focused on signing players developed in the, in the Eredivisie at the time? It was molassia Eriksson and Martinez. They they were the three that were pretty much through the door at that point. And his, his first words to me were, no, I'd, I'd like to sign English players. And here we are with with united having agreed personal terms with mount and and been they've they've done a hell of a lot of due diligence into trying to sign harry kane but that's that is more complicated because at the moment they're operating under the assumption that tottenham just will not sell him this summer hence why they're having to look at other options
1: Who's the Dan James equivalent in this market, Samuel? Can we see the Dan James coming in? A British player, Dan James. I'm trying to think. He's he's
0: gradually getting back to his level, isn't he? He's now a championship player again uh, with Leeds, which was. Probably what he was all along it, at yeah, United, definitely.
1: But to be fair to Dan James, he, he did lack quality. A bit like Weghorst, actually, but he always tried hard. <laughs> so we'll give him He did very, he did very well in his
0: first four to yep. six months at United. He was, yep. he was very good. He, he, he certainly surprised uh, everyone. I think he, he did have a, a pretty good start at United.
1: With, with Mo as well. Just the last word on that. It's no surprise that obviously United uh, are. Enjoy- I think it speaks volumes that United are interested, and Liverpool as well. You you've got these top teams around the yeah. Premier League who are trying to close the gap and. If, uh, if if your rivals are looking to buy buy your top players off you I think that tells chelsea something um we'll we'll end then samuel with a, a bit of chat on rasmus holland the striker from atlanta um 20 years old danish center forward he's been scoring for fun for the national team uh the last few international breaks he's got 15 goals in 41 games um over in italy and tenags had a few video calls with him hasn't he is that correct
0: yes i i did write that it would be quite a shock if i said now go. that no no it, i made it up <laughs> but uh no no they ten Hag has, has spoken to him and it's i don't think it's been confirmed yet and but it's, it should happen it, it looks like hoyland is is going to be signed up by the seg agency that Uh, also represent uh, Ten Hag which some people might say that's convenient but also Hoyland is is, you know he's pretty hot on the market it seems he's he's had had quite the rise he was still playing for Sturm Graz this time last year and there's there's an interesting correlation there going off what United were trying to do last summer where they were looking well they certainly in fact John Murta Met with the agent of, of Benjamin Sesko, who is another young striker. I think he's the same age as Hoyland, who was developed in in Austria. I don't think that's entirely a coincidence. It seems like you know, there are certain territories where there are certain strikers, even though they're very different nationalities and they they don't they're not necessarily Austrian, um, that they're catching the eye um, playing there, and and certainly in the case of Hoyland, going to Atalanta is is quite the you know, ringing endorsement. In the Atalanta have got a very good reputation of developing very good young players. Uh, for, for a long time now, their academy in Italy has been considered the best. United signed Ahmad from them in in twenty nineteen. Of course, Derhankov Kulusevski uh, moved to Juventus from Atalanta as well, and I think he's he's been one of the few um, few positives of of Tottenham season. He's a quality play has been one of the few good signings by by Antonio Conte in fact so that there's, there's certainly just from looking at it from the outside uh, there are a lot of boxes ticked with with Hoyland. I suppose the one reservation would be where United need a truly proven striker next season? should it be a 20 year old who has spent one season in Italy, and has scored a relatively modest amount. I think that's the that's the con. But United are also looking at um uh, at Eintracht Frankfurt, who I mean he's he's scored more goals this season. France international. Just feels inevitable. In the Bayern Munich will win
1: the race for him, doesn't it? They've got a kind of monopoly. Yeah, I mean Bayern and Munich.
0: Bayern Bayern Munich need a striker. Yeah. Bayern Munich need a striker. Bayern Munich sign the best players from the other German clubs. Um, more often than not so it, it, sometimes it, it depends on on the player I always I always thought with Robert Lewandowski it was, it was almost you felt disappointed in him that having done so well at Dortmund and won the title at Dortmund and uh, got to Champions League final won the German Cup with Dortmund. That he wanted to stay in Germany. I mean, he really should have played in the Premier League, and he got a big. Uh, he got a. I mean, Bayern Munich's a big move, but he eventually did move to a big club outside Germany and in Barcelona last year. But he was absolutely tailor-made for the Premier League, and he should have moved to the Premier League. Um, and and sometimes, well, not sometimes, but you you look at Moani and if you're his advisor, if there's ample Premier League interest, you'd think, well, go go to the Premier League. You know that's. That's that's where you, know, you where to make your name. You, anyone can go to Bayern Munich and um and, and win the Bundesliga there. It's as, as great a club as they are, and and they clearly have a pull still because they still sign ex, exceptional players, and they're trying to get Declan Rice now as well by the looks of things. But it's it's logical for United to be looking at Moani as well.
1: An interesting summer ahead then. Uh, just to leave it there, and some we wrap up. But before we go, have you got your sun cream? prepared for your, your trip out to the capital tomorrow because I bet it's going to be quite hot. It's June. It's just turned June. Unusual, isn't it, to have an FA Cup final uh, in June?
0: Very, very. Um, very unusual. I wonder if they'll put bucket season. hats in
1: the press box so the club have, uh, I don't know if you saw it day, but the club have given bucket hats that will support us under their seats in the United States. Oh, United. have they? That's so I wonder that's, if that applies to the, to the press box.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine so. I have been would. in the Wembley <laughs> press box where the Sun has been shining right on you but it, it couldn't have been as bad as at at brentford in august which was um the day that it was like 35 degrees in london and just as kickoff was looming it, we we discovered that the sun was absolutely going to be beating on us the whole game i have a feeling how was that
1: in 21s the day before that because Lee Sports Village was like thirty degrees or something, absolutely unheard of, absolutely crazy for Lee Sports Village to be that hot. And I was, uh, I was sweating. It's it's not nice when you get caught on the hop like that, and you, you're trying to work, and you're in the blaring sun on your laptop, anyways. Um, safe travels, Samuel. Safe travels in London. And thanks for your time.
0: No, no problem. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll be off for a couple of weeks, so. Uh, I, I won't be able to. Uh, oh, I about you know, yeah. Offer my. I won't be able to offer my uh, assistance to United on, on on Saturday either. Uh, despite my having my goal scoring boots on earlier in the week, you know, I've, I, I can now say, I've scored. This 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 is my sign off. But I've I have scored more Old Trafford goals than Ronaldo and Vekosl this season. So <laughs> on my that, screen, that's screen.
1: It says this podcast has went on for fifty-one minutes. I'm just absolutely <laughs> shocked it took you that long to mention it because we did open f- it, with the football chat to- and you didn't mention it.
0: I I went I went with modesty maybe false modesty at the start but if if that that, that might have to be it for as, as insufferable as I can be I think I'll, you, I'll, you, were be you were hoping for me to bring it up you were hoping for me to bring it up that was your <laughs>
1: tactic and then I didn't bring it up you thought right I'll have to get it at the end fair play, fair I, I play. To, yeah. no one can take that away from you anyways <laughs> uh, thanks to listeners as usual have a great weekend enjoy the FA Cup final take care we'll be back on Monday bye now